so they coined the phrase Captain H2O. So here we are years later and, I, and I'm endorsing a sports uh, water that uh, obviously hydrates and, uh, and reduces inflammation and, and of course some stress and anxieties. Welcome to another edition of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University sports podcast, where we talk about the business of sports and entertainment, media, disruption, entrepreneurship, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, and here we go again. Hi, Joe. Um, I, I, I think we should dispense with the idle chatter and jump in mm. to the conversation, because we've got perhaps one of the most uh, exciting guests we've ever had in our five-year history of doing this show. So why don't you uh, tee it up and we'll get right to it because I'm very excited about this conversation. I know you are too. Are you weren't talking about me? Uh, no, <laughs> in all due respect. So uh, we are gonna touch on one topic, especially that we haven't touched on, which is the CBD area um, with an entrepreneur. Uh, we don't need to go into any of his other background of his, his former day job, which was playing hockey in the NHL for a long time and Hall of Fame Stanley Cup winner. Uh, but we want to talk about the entrepreneurship and the life after playing uh, that he's involved with. So Mark Messier, welcome to the Cusp Show. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Looking forward to the conversation. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Happy, really happy to have you here. I don't like Joe, let's uh, uh, let's think about how we want to play this. I know, Mark, if you don't mind, I'll just jump right in with this idea of uh, transitioning out of and it's an incredible career, 26 year career in the league. Um, and by the way, it's interesting to note that you came to New York. I just, I just thought about this before prepping for the show. 30 years ago, it was 1991, correct, that you came to New York? Uh, 1991, after spending uh, 12 uh, glorious years in Edmonton, I was traded to the Rangers in uh, the fall of 1991. Right. So, I wanna, so we want to talk about your, your new business stuff and your life after hockey, mostly because we could spend hours talking about your career. But I, I want to start with one quick question about... The, your impression of coming to New York after all those years in Edmonton, you came to New York City and you adjusted quite well, but tell us about what, how that experience was for you coming to the biggest city in, in America at that point well, in your life. Well, you know, I, I was from Edmonton, Alberta. I had the chance to play uh, in my local hometown uh, for an expansion team that entered into the NHL, which was uh, basically a dream come true because I could you know, play in front of my family and friends. Uh, it was amazing. You know, we had uh, incredible success. After the 12th year, we had, the team had started to change. Uh, it, it, it looked like we needed to rebuild. We had lost a lot of players, including Wayne and Paul and some others. And um, it just became apparent to me that I needed a, a reboot in my career, not, not only professionally, but also uh, personally. Um, uh, the coach at the time and manager, Glenn Sather, agreed that he would try to trade me. Uh, I asked for the trade. Uh, he said, well, if you could go somewhere, where would you like to go? And I said, well, I'd really like to go to New York, New York and play for the Rangers. Uh, you know, original six team. I was super uh, interested in living in this kind of environment. Uh, the history behind the sporting teams in the, in the city, the 54-year, or at that time, I guess, 51-year drought. Uh, the Rangers not winning a Stanley Cup. So everything combined, personally, professionally, it just seemed to be uh, uh, the, the perfect fit. And plus, at that time, I was 31 years old. I was, uh, you know, still, you know, traveling and exploring in the offseason. Uh, it just was seemed to be so exciting to be able to come and play for the Rangers and tackle that kind of challenge. 
and then live in, 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 the, in the city and experience everything that it had to afford, that it had uh, to afford me outside of the game of hockey. What, what was your first impression of, of New York City, living in the city, being around New York City, becoming a New Yorker? I had been to New York City enough to understand, uh, you know, the city, uh, but until you actually move there and live there, um, you, you don't really understand it. There's a whole uh, cadence that uh, the, the city uh, revolves around. I quickly became uh, aware that uh, wherever you're living, you need, it needed to be close to what you were doing. Uh, and so the Upper West Side seemed to be uh, uh, the right choice for me. Uh, it was easy to get out to Rye, up to Upper West Side Highway, uh, out to uh, Rye Playland where we practice. Uh, it was a reverse commute. Uh, it was easy to get down to the garden for games. Uh, it had everything around me. So the Upper West Side became kind of my neighborhood. But, uh, you know, just the pulse of the city, uh, how the city worked, uh, you know, the subways to the taxis, uh, um, to the entertainment, uh, everything about it, uh, it was just so invigorating for me. I, I was, you know, super interested in, 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 you know, immersing myself into that and into the culture obviously not only the Ranger fandom, but also the culture of, of the team. And of course, uh, the culture of the city uh, it was, it was a perfect time in my life for it. Cool. So Mark, you obviously go through, you help the Rangers break the drought, win the Stanley Cup. You remain in New York through all the amazing work that you did around everything that happened around 9-11. And since then, uh, one of the things I remember being around the garden was Steve Mills always talking about talking, especially talking to the Knicks players and, and reminding them that they are playing in front of the heads of industries from around the world. And the opportunity to engage with some of those people for things that you're interested in is unlike any other time. I would imagine as you've transitioned out of your career and into the entrepreneurial space and the business space, that there were probably opportunities that came along while you were with the Rangers and after your career. Um, were there any things that kind of from the business standpoint, like when you were here said, hey, that's an interesting person or an interesting business. And, and did that kind of jumpstart you into where you are today off the, off the hockey side and being around the Rangers? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the one thing that I did learn early on is that any success that I had and every opportunity that I had either during my career or after my career came from the success that we had on the ice. And so when I came to New York, after being a part of a team that won five Stanley Cups in seven years and six finals in 10 years and, and an amazing run, uh, all of the opportunities I was getting was, was because of the success that we had on the ice. So I didn't lose sight of the fact that when I came to New York, the most important thing for, for me was to focus in on hockey and, of course, trying to figure out a way to be a part of the team that could end that drought and win, which we were able to do. Uh, but, you know, one of the challenges of coming to New York is staying uh, focused and concentrating on the task at hand. And for me, that was obviously hockey. That was the most important thing because it could I could have easily got derailed because of all the, you know, opportunities and invitations and and everything that was coming my way when I played here. But I think, you know, I, I was old enough, uh, thankfully enough, mature enough in some ways, anyways that. Uh, that I didn't uh, let, let it get away from me. And I was really focused in on that. And I did meet some incredible people. I did have some incredible opportunities, but for the most part, uh, the regular season for me, I, I really kept 
you know, you know, 95%, if not a hundred percent of my time focusing on, on the game and, and everything else had to take a back seat either to the off season or when we had a few days off, uh, in retirement, uh, you know, I've been able to kind of, you know, leverage that more, um, and swing back to some of the people that I've met and, uh, and the opportunities. And, and as you mentioned here, I mean, you're right. Uh, you're, you're a walk in a, uh, amongst the uh, giants in their uh, respective fields and uh, to be able to, you know, uh, you know, enter into those kinds of discussions and either on a casual basis or on a, you know, actually engaging in a, in a business opportunity has been really kind of gratifying. I, I love entrepreneurship. I love building businesses and, and I've been able to uh, partake in a few of those uh, since uh, I have retired. I, I bet when you first retired, you didn't know that by 2021, you'd be getting into the hemp powered hydration business. So <laughs> let's talk about that, Mark, because I know it's one of your important new initiatives and we want to talk about that. So, so tell us about how you got involved and, and back that up a little bit, because we know based on the, the press we've read about that announcement that you're going to tell us about um, that you were an early, sounds like an early aficionado of CBD healing powers. Can you talk about that a little bit? I sure can. And uh, I, I think I was just like everybody else when uh, we started to uh, uh, recognize that, uh, you know, the, the marijuana plant had basically 123 different properties or in or around there. I, I don't know exactly how many, but a lot of different properties in it that all in, in its totality uh, worked in conjunction with each other. Um, and then we started to see where, you know, where science and technology started entering into it, where they could start to extract certain components out of it and then to get the benefits out of it without the THC and, of course, the uh, and, and getting the high, which started to serve in some medicinal purposes. I think the one story that I always revert back to is a young girl with the with with, you know, terrible seizures and she had tried every traditional medicine possible and nothing was helping her and they tried you know, uh, the, the CBD, and she was having amazing results. And so I think everybody kind of stood up and took notice of that, of, okay, what exactly is happening here when you're extracting certain DNA out of the, out of the plant and using it for medicinal purposes. And uh, I think for me, that was the, the, the first time that I really kind of started to pay attention to what was happening in that world. Uh, and then, of course, you know, years later, a year later, years later, uh, you know, you start hearing testimonials of people that are that are uh, are using CBD, um, you know, from caddies that were basically broken down and couldn't caddy anymore to revert it to riding in a cart uh, to, you know, uh, test testimonies that uh, they're back walking double loops with two bags, uh, you know, and so I think the, the, you know, the evidence started to kind of you know, filter in, um, you know, on, on this new science, this new technology of, 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 of CBD and all its benefits. Um, you know, when I played, I was always, I think the Oilers back in the 80s were always on the technology front of everything from conditioning to VO2 testing to fat testing to um, oxygen intakes, uh, you know, all the things. And, and, and of course, you know, I was always interested in because I saw the benefits of even lift weight, lifting weights for me a, 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 as a player and being in top condition and, and, 
and what it did for me. And then, of course, how do you be the best version of yourself through training and through technology later in my career and up until I played till I was 43, 44 with, you know, obviously a few injuries, but nothing really, really, really uh, other than an arthroscopic sh shoulder surgery. So, you know, you fast forward all that into retirement and, um, you know, trying to lead a really healthy life, uh, you know, continue to work out uh, and take advantage of where we're at in, in our culture and, it, and its acceptance of, uh, of uh, natural products um, like CBD and how it can help you. And so for me, the interest has always been there. Uh, then, then to be able to take the CBD and infuse it into a bottle of water that tastes really refreshing, but then you get all the benefits of it was incredible to me. Uh, you know, we all know about the tinctures, the gummies, the, you know, the smoking of the CBD, uh, the, the, the mixtures of, of beverages now that are laden with sugar and additives to hide the taste. But uh, so when a Kiso, when I heard about a Kiso, tried it, tasted it, uh, there was just something for me that uh, I knew that was going to be uh, not only really kind of healthy product, uh, something I could be proud of, but something that, uh, that I would use myself, because that's obviously the first criteria of, of endorsing anything is, is obviously being a user. And uh, it, the, the worlds collided. I was just fascinated by that, by how they're able to do this and then the benefits that I was uh, getting from it. How um, you touched on something there, Mark, about being able to use the product. As you've gone through your end of career into, you know, your post-career and you start looking at businesses, how important is it for you personally to actually use uh, and be involved in, in the business of the product versus just signing an endorsement? Well, I've never just signed an endorsement uh, in my life, actually. Um, first of all, I... Uh, I'm super interested in the people that I would do business with. So I think starting a kind of relationship with the bit, with the people behind the business, the people that are running the business and the people that are making the decisions in the business, I have to feel super uh, confident in, in that and that we we're able to work together and we have the same kind of, you know, visions and, and likes, uh, you know, away from the business itself. Uh, the product, obviously, uh, is something that I've always thought that, you know, if I don't use it myself, and the whole reason why I'm being asked to endorse a product is for the trust factor in it. So if, if so I, I can't fake that, I don't want to fake that. So, I, you know, that becomes, you know, absolutely critical for me that I that I really uh, believe in the product and its efficacy and, and, and what it stands for. So I, so that for sure. And, uh, and I just know from, you know, water, you know, in, in a sports, um, you know, performance water like this, uh, I always used to say that, uh, you know, uh, dehydration can make cowards of us all. Uh, I've seen guys, uh, you know, play two, three playoff uh, periods, uh, weren't properly hydrated, seized up, uh, and, and, you know, performances declined incredibly. They used to actually call me Captain H2O. Uh, in, in Chicago in the 1990 uh, playoff series in Chicago because it was so humid that we were playing uh, so much hockey that I implored everybody to make sure they're, they were hydrating. So they coined the phrase Captain H2O. Uh, so here we are years later and, I, and I'm endorsing a sports uh, water that uh, obviously hydrates and, uh, and reduces inflammation and, 
and of course, some stress and anxiety. So uh, those are three things that uh, that any sportman or any person in any walk of life can uh, can benefit from. Cool, Mark. Do you get the sense that uh, more and more athletes? I mean, you you obviously have lots of friends who are athletes and uh, former teammates and things like that. Are are more athletes now open to the to this um, cannabis infused CBD uh, kind of product offering now? Because it's so common, I think I think our culture in general is starting to think about uh, uh, alternative ways to reduce inflammation, uh, relieve stress, help you sleep better, and getting away from their narcotics and sleep aids and all that kind of stuff. I've seen way too many cases of uh, people that have you know worked their way out of the league because of you know, taking, uh, you know, stimulants, uh, you know, sleep aids to try to get the sleep after games, uh, narcotics for to mask pain. Uh, you know, too many stories that uh, we don't need to get into here. But, um, you know, I think for me, I was always, you know, I travel a lot in my off season, I was always super interested in, in the Eastern philosophy and in its medicine and its culture and its spirituality and all the things I mean, it was something that, uh, you know, I was super open to, I mean, I, I did a lot of acupuncture as a player way back in, you know, you know, at least late eighties, early nineties, uh, when it wasn't really vogue. Now every team has, has that, uh, and, and, and they, they realize that it can help. So I think blending Western and Eastern philosophies and in, in medicine is, is a smart thing to do as an athlete and, and do what's best for you. But we all know that anything natural is much better than, than something that's that's uh, that's uh, manufactured from from uh, from chemicals. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; there is a need at times for those, but uh, not at the expense of of uh, the addiction that uh, can follow it. So, I think culture in general, I think sports for sure, is starting to stand up and take notice that uh, that some of these uh, some of these products are really good for the athlete and. Uh, and uh, and we're changing our, our our minds as as a as a sporting uh, culture that uh, we need to take care of our athletes better and give them more options in order to uh, to uh, be healthier on and off the field post and pre pre during and post uh, careers. Hey Joe, one more quick question from Mark about Akiso. Mark, is is the product in full distribution in the United States, or will it be full soon? It will be soon. Uh, the best way to uh, to get some, if you're interested right now, is uh, through the website akisowater.com okay. and uh, the mail order right now. But uh, uh, we will be in full distribution here in the next uh, few months. Nice. Cool. Um, Tom, we are here on, ironically, National Women's Day. Uh, and another project that, that Mark is um, heavily involved with involves uh, women and athletes. Uh, Mark, can you tell us about the new project, something else that you've taken on, you're interested in, and how it kind of came about? Yeah, the Professional Women's uh, uh, Association uh, um, have been trying forever to um, reclaim a, a position in, 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 our, in our professional sports. Um, you know, I, I basically started the Marc Messier Foundation with one thing in mind, and our mission statement was to be able to provide access and opportunity to to young kids that uh, either because of their their you know their their mother and father uh, income level uh, to no no access because of there's no infrastructure around them 
whatever the case may be is is we're, we're there to, to try to you know inspire young boys and girls to play any kind of um ice hockey uh any kind of ice sport uh help them immerse themselves into communities uh through education so providing access and opportunity has been basically our mantra and and that really goes into uh and falls into uh, professional women's hockey and and being able to help create a pathway for these young girls that see these incredible athletes playing in the Olympics, give them a vision of what they can be at then watching their heroes play at the professional level. Uh, and so when they spend a, you know, a, a whole lifetime of, of honing their skills at the youth level into, you know, a college profession. And if they did want to continue on, and playing professional hockey, that there's that opportunity. I think one of the NHL's biggest mandates is to, you know, help diversify our game. Uh, and uh, there's no question where the women's game has gone from the last five years, 10 years, 20 years is incredible uh, to see the growth. And, uh, and now it's up to us, um, you know, you know, guardians of the game, if you will, is to try to, to pr provide you know, a healthy, uh, you know, uh, league that uh, they're paid well enough to make a living. Uh, they get all the benefits from health. They have a union. Um, and so it is really a legitimate league that uh, they can be proud of and, and to inspire young uh, girls uh, across the world that uh, they have something to play for after they get out of college and have spent a lifetime, like I said, developing their skills there. So uh, again, just another way to provide or, or try to help with access and opportunity and uh, couldn't be prouder to be a part of it and in support of the whole uh, women's movement uh, into the professional hockey. So Mark, you've done a lot of things with the, the Mark Messier Foundation. Um, I, I was checking some of the other initiatives you have. Just curious, um, in terms of how you build the how you've built the foundation, how you think of it going forward, are you proactively going after opportunities that you hear about or think of, or are you being pitched on a regular basis? What's what's the process? Well, I think both. Uh, we set the charity up where, you know, we we could pick and choose uh, how we uh, disperse uh, the money that we raise through the through the foundation. Um, you know, obviously the Tomorrow's Children Fund up in Hackensack uh, with the Kids with Cancer uh, Institute uh, was was something that I got involved with very early on when I came to New York and seeing parents spending their, you know, their livelihoods in hotel uh, hospital wings of the hallways and their siblings, uh, you know, all the while trying to be with their young boy or girl that's been stricken with cancer to, you know, you know, to the Tomorrow's Children Institute up there now where they, you know, they got the whole children's wing. Uh, you know, we put all my trophies in a, in a skyway between the women's pavilion and the, and the uh, children's pavilion that they can go in there and play video games and they can see all my artifacts and trophies for all the years and just a place of, uh, of uh, rest, if you will. And, and a place for the kids to get their minds off their treatments and obviously a place for their brothers and sisters to be able to go to pass some of the time. So that's been, that's been amazing. Uh, you know, trying to figure out, uh, 
you know, we, to answer your question, we started very slow on purpose is because we wanted to build a mission of what we were really trying to uh, figure out of, you know, what we wanted the, the, the foundation to stand for. And we really stood by the fact that we wanted to create access and opportunity. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we came up with the eye to eye program yeah, at the PS86 in the Bronx, where we put over 4,000 kids through a learn to skate program, all in advance of the Kingsbridge National Ice Center coming online, which would be the largest indoor ice facility in the world, right across the street. Uh, these kids have never been on the ice because they've never had an opportunity to get on the ice. They've never had a skate, a rink to skate on. Um, and uh, so, you know, things like that, kids in kayaks down south uh, to learn about the waterways, the estuary, uh, the bird, the animal life, the marine life, anything that has to do with kids getting them outside, giving them access, giving them an education and giving them opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to get interested in something that they can take to another level is, is basically what we've done. You know, Mark, in the, in the last year, obviously, things have changed a little bit in terms of getting out and meeting people uh, and getting around. Um, when now in your post career, uh, how important and how have you been able to manage your time in terms of where you're spending it so you're getting the most out of what it is? Usually when an athlete is very structured, have you been able to kind of bring that over into the entrepreneurial and business side and how either easy or difficult has that been? Um, you know, when you play professional sports, your life is very structured. Um, you know, obviously you get the off season off, but even in the off season, you know, you're, you're basically working out five days a week, getting prepared and healing your body and getting prepared for next year. Um, you know, it, um, so I think that structure, it, uh, you know, for me anyways, playing so long was, was very helpful, uh, leaving the game of hockey. Um, I was ready to retire. I wasn't wishing I was still playing when I retired. Uh, I wasn't, thinking that I shortchanged myself by retiring. I never had a second. I never looked back once after I retired. And, um, but I think the discipline that you get from professional sports really helped me in the business of, uh, of, of being an entrepreneur and, and endorsing products and whatnot, because it really, um, you know, over time, and it takes time as a young guy, as an 18 year old, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? To, uh, to learn, uh, that discipline about uh, of what it takes to be a, a professional hockey player. And I think those same principles really apply uh, in business as well. Um, I see so, so many similarities when I walk into a boardroom, I, I can immediately look at the culture or feel the culture that uh, you're welcome into. I can immediately see if there's a big ego in the room. Uh, I can see if the team is together. Um, because of all the experiences I had on the team. And there's, and, and I keep saying it to so many people there that, you know, a team in business is, you know, still made up of the same elements of a team in hockey that you need to be successful. So I think that's helped me, uh, you know, leaving hockey. And, uh, and then of course, from a personal standpoint, uh, just the fact that, you know, the big part of being a professional athlete is really taking yourself care of yourself uh, personally individually your health and wellness uh, your fit uh, your fitness levels uh, you know what are you doing to get yourself ready emotionally mentally and um, and so I think you know if I really had to say I think you know professional sports really set me up to be successful in the business world because of all the lessons that you need in order to be successful on the ice. Mark what business trends 
that you're following are most intriguing to you as a potential investor? And, and a follow-up on that is one of the hottest topics in sports business these days, of course, is the growing legalization of sports betting in the United States. Uh, would like to get your opinion on that as a, as a second uh, answer, uh, just as a former athlete, professional athlete, and also as an investor. <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up in a lot of farm uh, land up in Alberta, and land has always fascinated me. I just read an article the other day where Bill Gates is becoming one of the biggest landowners in the United States there. Uh, so, all, you know, land has always fascinated me. I don't know why. I just, I just love, uh, obviously, I love being outdoors, and I'm an outdoors man uh, in many respects. Uh, I grew up hunting and fishing and, and whatnot, uh, you know, in the lakes and the, in the, in the beautiful country up in Alberta. Um, so that, you know, water obviously uh, is another one. I mean, you know, we all, you know, without water, you know, we basically are, uh, are rendered useless uh, in a matter of days. So water is going to be a scarce resource, obviously, probably going forward. Um, you know, the whole, uh, cannabis space has been fascinating to me as well to see the where that we've come to as a culture and the acceptance of it uh and and how to use it properly uh and get the benefits out of it that and and i guess the the technology that's behind it now where you know we can really take the the natural elements out of the plant and use them for medicine is is super interesting uh the sports betting for me uh it's interesting it's it's you know, uh, you know, for so for so long it was so taboo, and um, and uh, because of you know the obvious uh, repercussions of uh, entering into the players and, and whatnot, um, I, it 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 is an interesting way to engage the fans even more so. Um, you know, and um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see where it's gone, and you see a lot of people uh, that are you know super wise investors uh, you know getting into it um so i'm not sure if it's for me or not we'll see but uh, uh but you know and obviously the technology uh you know it's amazing to see what's happened with the uh, you know what you know solar tesla uh the valuation of tesla now i don't think anybody expected that i mean it's just incredible uh uh, it, it shouldn't surprise us after we saw it come out with the car that they did initially and how beautiful the lines were and, and how well it drove and, and, uh, and he led with a super expensive car and then trickled down to a brilliant, uh, brilliant uh, move there. Um, you know, the, the, I'm not sure if I'm for the driverless cars yet myself personally, but that seems to be another uh, interesting play by uber there where their whole business plan is is basically based on driverless cars so we'll see where that trends but uh well definitely yeah, not I, new york city that's that's not yeah, advisable new york city we know we new yorkers know that <laughs> well I, i'm a pilot so i like to fly i like to be a, a you know a, in charge of where i'm getting and how i'm getting there <laughs> right but i've always been wanting to drive myself but look at i i, I really am staying up in tune with everything going on and and uh, super fascinated to see something uh, it's and some of these companies really take off like amazon who started as a bookstore and look what happened to them well hey um, mark before we let you go there's there's two questions we always ask uh, people who come on because we have a lot of people in our uh, who listen to us who are either transitioning or starting out in a career um, whether they are athletes or students um, so as as mark messier the businessman 
what advice do you give to people who are changing their career or looking to do something? And then the other thing, because you touch on so many areas, how do you stay constant with and up to date with uh, everything that's going on? Are there sites you read, podcasts you listen to? So the advice and then the, the following. Well, the advice is, is super tough because I think not everybody has a choice to do exactly what they want because they have to have an income stream and um, it gets very difficult if you're not happy at work. Um, you know, I've seen it, 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 it at, in the professional level in hockey for sure where players, uh, you know, aren't happy for whatever reason. Uh, they might, they're mad at the coach. They're mad at their, they don't have enough playing time. They don't like the manager, they don't like the owner. Um, but unfortunately, there's there's nothing they can do about that until they feel trapped. My uh, suggestion to, to a lot of people is to find a passion and work towards that passion, even if it's not what you're doing on, on your day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, we all have to pay our bills. We all have to make an income. It might not be exactly what you want to do, but you can't... Um, you know, as they say, bite your nose off to spite your face. But at the, in the meantime, in the, in the background, you can be working on something that is a passion of yours, it's something that you're trying to uh, work towards in order to uh, change the, the environment that you're in. And that's a very, it's a very tricky, uh, you know, balance between doing that and, and being happy and, and living a life of fulfillment because, uh, you know, work should, you know, you know, Going to work should be a, a good experience in, in a perfect world. Unfortunately, it's not always that, but uh, it doesn't mean that we can't work towards it in some way or another on uh, on the side of your of your of your day job, so to speak. Um, I hope that answers your question yep, there. Sure. And, and and the um, and as far as uh, you know, I I'm surrounded by, by great people. Uh, this one thing that I realized that all my success came from. In, in hockey was being uh, part of a great team, being surrounded by great people that had, you know, really high aspirations, really high expectations of themselves. They had the discipline, they had the drive. And, and I, I find myself, uh, you know, gravitating to really smart, good people uh, in, in my after career. And because of it, I learn a lot. Um, and, and, as they say, I have never learned anything while I've been talking. So uh, I know enough. I know I know enough that I'm a rookie in the uh, in the business world. Uh, and so the less the talk, the more I learn. And uh, if you're surrounded by great people, um, th there is a lot to uh, to uh, absorb. And um, and I think you know, for me, that's just been key. Uh, you know, I I just really love uh, being around smart people. I love being around great people. I love being around people that are passionate about what they're doing and and um, and and are visionaries uh, you know uh, and there's lots of different kinds of people out there you know there's good managers there's good you know owners there's good visionaries uh, you know what I mean you just got to figure out you know where you what you like to do what your skill set is and then and then really kind of uh, attack it uh, so for me being around good people listening learning and about uh, many different, um, you know, businesses, um, you know, learning a lot about myself in that regard, about, you know, how I react to certain situations. And uh, even I just turned 60, even at 60, I feel like a young mm. entrepreneur because I have so much to learn. So it's very exciting every day. 
Cool. Hey, um, I have one last question, Tom, and then maybe you want to wrap us up. Mark, everybody talks about, you hear people talk about the success of winning and everything we took away from winning. Are there lessons that you learned from losing over the years and and things that we're able to adapt that that sometimes people forget? Well, I I don't think you can win without uh, failing at some point. I I just think there's way in hockey, at least anyways, I can, and I'm only going to speak for hockey because it's what I know best, but I just know that there's so much, uh, it, it's a little bit like being a Brazilian uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu. I mean, there's different levels that we, as we know. I mean, I, I'm a big martial art fan, a big UFC fan. And when these guys talk about different levels there, of course you can be a black belt in, in jiu-jitsu, but if you're a 10th degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, it's a completely different level. Um, so, so for me, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, there's so many lessons that a team has to uh, learn in order to get to the to 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 the end uh, and and ultimately become victorious. And um, you know, I, I too many to mention in this quick interview, but uh, failure is absolutely critical. And then it's what you do with the failure that uh, and how you pick yourself up up after and learn from the failure, so you never make the same mistakes again. Is how you grow as a person, and obviously as you how you grow as a team. And if you're not growing as a team on a day-to-day basis, you're, 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 you're falling backwards. And so the whole idea of a team is to grow organically together and, and, and win small battles, but then, you know, absorb the failures, but then pick yourself up and then move another notch up. And, uh, and I think you could say that it, it w- would be a, a, a parallel in life as well. Cool. Tom. Wow. Good stuff, Mark. Thank you so much. Um, Really appreciate the time, Mark. That was a great conversation. And we are, um, we're, we're, we're so uh, honored to have you share some of your insights and especially your, your, your business endeavors with us. And I just want to make sure everybody listening knows where they can actually specifically follow up. So you mentioned Akiso Water. Um, you said it'll be in widespread distribution soon and we can go and people can go to the site now. Is Akiso, just say that one more time. Akisowater.com is, right. uh, you can get all the uh, information. We, interestingly enough, we have an amazing uh, QR code that's a blockchain verification. So you can really get to see exactly I where you I saw that. Very, very forward of you guys to do that. It's super <laughs> important because uh, it, it's so loosely regulated that we now we can really kind of uh, give the confidence to the consumer to know exactly what they're getting and how much of what they're getting. So I think it's a it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing part of a Kiso that many people are going to gravitate to. Yeah, so that it involves that safe strain that trademarked a system that they have for yep. verifying, verifying uh, exactly where the plant came from, yeah, yeah, authenticity, exactly. and and then of course exactly the amount of, of ingredients of each, and it's it's a really really special right. uh, uh, technology. Okay, so we urge everybody listening to check out a Kiso water. Number one, number two is. Um, we urge everybody to check out the Mark Messier Foundation, which I believe is markmessierfoundation.org, correct? Markmessierfoundation.org, uh, exactly, yes. Excellent, right. And especially those of you who are who believe in the mission on, by the way, Joe, it was International Women's Day today, not mm-hmm. national. I just checked that to be- International, to sure exactly. We do this right. Well, let's use the right hashtags later. Uh, international Women's Day, but Mark's work helping to um, drive home the importance of opportunities for women in, in the sport of hockey is, is really amazing. And that's happening through the foundation with this match. I guess it's called the uh, Donation Match Initiative, 
which sounds uh, like a really good idea because those those matching initiatives are always usually pretty successful. So everybody check out that new initiative with the, on the Mark Messier Foundation site. Uh, any other things you want to promote before we say goodbye to you? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we covered a lot. Okay. I just really appreciate the time and all your listeners. Uh, just a, uh, really uh, hope that everybody's finding their passion and uh, living a life of familiar, of, of fulfillment, but more importantly, a life of uh, health and wellness. That's great, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much on behalf of Columbia. Uh, we, we really appreciate the time. And it's, uh, as I said, it's been an honor talking to truly one of the legends of the sports world of our generation. We're close in age to you, Joe and I. And um, it, it's just it's just amazing to have you as a guest. So we really appreciate you taking the time. Well, good luck to you guys in the future. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thank everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody in the next Cusp Show. <laughs>